Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to The Verge Cast, the flagship podcast of staring directly down the barrel of the camera, whether it's your real eyes or fake computer-generated eyes. These are real eyes here. These are fake. Beautiful right. real eyes. I'm your friend, Eli. I have an announcement to make. This is going to be one of the first episodes of our show in a long time that we post as a video podcast to YouTube. We used to do it all the time. Yeah. We used to do it live on video. <gasps> Which was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> then to pay back the the karmic debt of yeah. doing that, we just stopped. We stopped the video, right? And for years, and now we've slowly started adding it back in with everything that we've learned. Yeah. And what we've learned is that Richard has the NVIDIA software on his computer that makes his eyes stare directly at you, no matter where he's looking, and it is. Terrifying. I can't look away. Hello, Richard. It's fine. These are my real eyes. This is what I actually look like. This is not AI enhanced by NVIDIA. I, I am offended by, by this, this suggestion that I would use software to enhance the way that I look at you. Because I always look directly at you. It's so creepy. That's what people say about me all the time. It's a lot. We're going to... If there's anything I love, it's eye contact. That's what I'm into. When I say karmic debt... It's like we're already accruing it. Like we paid off yeah. the balance. We're like, turn the cameras like back three on. three episodes and in like, us. I'm ringing it up. <laughs> Just making, making purchases that we're going to have to pay off by, with AI assist. Yeah, this isn't weird at all. Oh, my goodness. Alex Kranz is here. I am here. And I've got my own camera in the studio, and it's great. If you're in your car, you're, you're doing great because Richard isn't looking at you. But if you're watching this on video, here's Richard looking at you. All right. <laughs> And Monica Chen is joining us for the first segment of the show. Hey, Monica. Hello. I, you know, we're two minutes into doing this on video again. <laughs> There's Regret? a reason I turned the cameras off. I think we look great. I think this is the best thing we've ever done. Well, look, I mean, let me start with some, like, inside. The funny thing is when I can just. No, get out of my frame. <laughs> I'm looking great. I can Hi. just get in Alex's it camera. It looks like he's intently examining the wall. This is the worst radio that's ever been made. Here's what I will tell everyone. Just back it up inside media baseball. We used to do it on video all the time. Mm -hmm. We were arguably ahead of our time. Yes. In 2011, <laughs> live streaming a podcast. But podcast? Live streaming podcast, 2011. Uh, None of those things existed then. Younger, drunker Neelai on camera <laughs> live. 
many mistakes. Were made. Some really good gifs out there of it, by the way. It's it's incredible. It's some of our finest moments. Yeah. Who is the Samsung guy? Big Papa Joe. <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> it's all. We hired people off the off the call-ins for the podcast. It's <laughs> a true story. Whatever. Many things happen in the Virtcast. I'm sure people remember or don't. We started the Virtcast up again. And we're like, this is a lot of effort for videos yeah. that a small group of very passionate people watch. But we wanted the podcast to be big. And so we shut off the cameras to make a better radio show. Right. And our numbers went up because <gasps> we were no longer looking at each other and telling each other jokes about things we could see yeah. that no one in their cars could see. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we're good at making a podcast. So fast forward to 2023, everyone with a podcast is like, just turn on the cameras and put it on YouTube. That's where all the podcast growth is. Yeah. So now we're fully back to the future. We have potentially learned something about making a better podcast by just having made a podcast for a long time. And we are not, Alex, going to do bits to the camera. Never. <laughs> I'm not doing minutes. that today, tomorrow, <laughs> ever again. Hi, guys. How are you? It's we just talked to you personally. <laughs> Get out of my frame. <laughs> All right. So if you are listening to this and we get out of line, send us a polite, e polite, very polite email. We'll, we'll try to rein it in. If you're watching this for the first time on YouTube, welcome. Liam, what's the YouTube channel people can subscribe to? Just type the Vergecast into whatever text field you encounter on the internet and it will lead you Ask to our Jeeves. YouTube page. <laughs> Bing. Yahoo.com. No, it's the, it's YouTube, the Vergecast. That's our channel. You can watch, you can watch us live Love once it. again. You won't oh, regret boy. it. And Richard continues no. to stare directly at you the whole time. <laughs> Just unblinking. Can we let's talk about this, this technology? We have a lot to talk about. Monica's yeah. here to talk about MacBook Pro and Mac Mini with M2 chip reviews, Tesla earnings. We have a we have a headline here that just says trouble in Alphabet City, which is very good. So good. Uh, which is just about Google. Yeah. Uh, lots of problems for Google. Microsoft layoffs, Google layoffs. There's lots to talk about. But we should talk about the fact that NVIDIA released this software for their video cards that lets you just stare at the camera. This is not new technology, right? It's built into FaceTime. Monica, you were saying it's built yeah, into a lot it's of been laptops. In, it's been on the Surface line for a bit. Samsung has claimed to have a technology that does it, um, which I haven't personally used it before. HP says they have it. There are various people who have been trying it with Varying degrees of success. But no one like Richard. No. Well, so the thing about NVIDIA, right, it's because it you can set any video source to go through. Right. It. This yeah. is a this one is is a is a bigger release. So right, like you can't Yeah, because usually if you're doing FaceTime, you have to be in the FaceTime app. On the FaceTime. And it's not as nearly with your as iPhone funny. camera. Yeah. And then Richard, this is just like NVIDIA broadcaster and you're just pumping OBS through it. What's going on here? Yep. It just connects it to I open up NVIDIA Broadcast, pick my camera, and then in our recording software, I just tell it to look for NVIDIA Broadcast, and it gets whatever whatever is piped there. Which is your cartoon eyes. Yes. I mean, it's... it's the eyes so that it has drawn, and occasionally you'll see, like, if it decides that I've looked away too far, it'll go back to my real eyes, and then it will turn my eyes back to you. <laughs> and for, for me, that's the creepiest part, is the animated turn. Well, it would be weirder if they just, like, blinked out and then <laughs> blinked to be staring at us again. So it's good. strange because it's looking, it's like looking at like a ghost mirror of myself because I'm looking at myself down in the middle of the screen and it's looking directly back, <laughs> which is very strange. That's terrifying. We've done a lot of stories about this tech recently. James Vincent has written a lot of stories about this kind of tech. His one today is very good. 
it's just about people putting movies through it. Yeah. So the actors are looking directly down the barrel nope, of the lens. Don't do that. And all of it looks like high school theater. <laughs> like the most dramatic high school monologues yeah. that you have ever experienced. It's, it's very good. I don't know if this is the future of all video conferencing. I know that it's very funny. And I also know that it's been on FaceTime for a minute and no one has noticed it. Yeah, true. And I think it's just because NVIDIA is letting basically anybody pump anything through it. That you and how make. many people use FaceTime? Like lots of people. But I, like my mom is not like, you're looking directly at the camera, aren't you? Yeah. She's more like, where's your baby? Get out of my face. <laughs> like you're old and dusty. Don't want you. <laughs> I already raised you. Show where's me the, the child. <laughs> All right. So this is amazing tech. Richard, in, enjoy. It's just so weird, man. I'll just flip it on and off <laughs> randomly during meetings and during, the, during this call. It's fine. Uh, no, but I, we came into a meeting last week uh, and Viren, our video producer, he was on and I forgot that I had turned it on the first day that it came out. And we were talking for about 10 minutes and I don't know, he must have thought I was losing <laughs> <it off. laughs> Because like I'm just talking to him and I wasn't looking at the video preview, so I didn't realize it was on until until a, a while in. And he was like, I was, I was going to say something, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't have an entire meeting staring only directly <laughs> into their webcam? I do it all the time, actually. I think it's. I was like, funny. you're really, really good at it, like annoyingly oh, yeah. so. I like mugging directly into the webcam. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. So all am right. I. That's enough talking about this. It's so creepy. But it's out. You should go play with it if you have an NVIDIA card. The fact that you can pipe any source through it I think is deeply hilarious. But I would expect – again, it's in FaceTime. It's in a bunch of laptops. I would bet the next generation of like Apple laptops has it because they already have the technology and they're using the same chips, which brings me to the chips. Do you see that segue? Oh, I like that. That was good. I did it. I loved it. It was perfect. Smooth. All right. So, Monica, you have been reviewing the new MacBook Pro 16s with the M2 Pro, the M2 Max. Chris Welch reviewed the Mac Mini, which is the same chip, the same computer in a little but case little. without a battery and a screen. What's going on here? So the MacBook Pro 16 looks very similar, identical even, to the 2021 MacBook Pro 16. But the chip inside is called the M2 instead of the M1. There's the M2 Max and the M2 Pro, which is not the M1 Max and the M1 Pro. It's the, you know, it's the two. Yeah. It's the second one. It's dose. Yeah, dose. <laughs> <laughs> is it any good? Yeah. For the workload that I do, which is, you know, lots of Google Docs and mm -hmm. lots of spreadsheets and lots of Zoom calls, it's, like, not a noticeable difference. It's not – that's not anything that it impacts. It is an upgrade in graphic performance and an upgrade in CPU performance. And it is something that you will notice if you are doing heavier professional workloads. We saw decreases in export time. We saw decreases in Xcode time. Benchmarks across the board – were higher. So it is a more powerful laptop. The battery life is a lot longer. And I think to me, that's the most significant part. It, is it the same battery as last time? Like the same size battery? I think it's an Apple's like running I right think. up against the limit. Yeah. It is the same 100 watt hour battery. So that is like super impressive. Then. Well, the chip is more efficient. Um, there are two more cores on the M2 Max than there were on the M1 Max. They're both efficiency cores. Um, it, it seems like a more efficient chip. I would usually get around 10 hours out of the M1 Max. I'm getting, depending on my workload, I'll get 16 to 20. Wow. That's crazy. It's a very big difference for me. That doesn't mean everyone will see that same difference. You know, people's workloads vary. People's usage habits vary. But I would be very surprised if any if anyone didn't see a couple more hours at least of battery out of this machine than out of the older one, which doesn't mean I don't think anyone's necessarily 
trying to upgrade from the M1, that would surprise me. But, like, if you're thinking of doing that, you don't need to do that. The M1 Pro and M1 Max are fine. But these are, for people who are still upgrading from Intel machines, these are big increases in power and they're more efficient. I mean, that's like six to eight hours extra battery, though. Like, Neelai, do you have some FOMO about your M1? So I'm, I'm staring at my M1 Pro. Yeah. 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's still the best laptop I've ever owned. Uh-huh. And we have an M2 Pro, 16-inch MacBook Pro. We've yet to run benchmarks on it. and But we've run the benchmarks on the, on the Mini with that shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's a linear increase in performance and a linear increase in battery life. It's just like, these numbers are better. Yeah. In yeah. sort of exactly the way that you would expect them to be, which is kind of interesting. It somewhat has the vibes of like an Intel, a pre-AMD being a competitor Intel upgrade. It's like, they made the chips better. They didn't feel like they had to make a giant splash with the chips, which is fine because the last ones that came out were a giant splash. So yes. real... We're, TikTok kind of situation, right? And the TikTok. rumors are that M3s will be on a three nanometer process, right? right? And that's yeah. like that's like yeah. straight up, just just straight TikTok. up, Intel and that TikTok. is the pattern yeah. that we saw from Intel pre- before AMD sort of burst on the scene as you know making. We often had less exciting generations followed by more exp- exciting generations. It was and super fun to write about those too because <laughs> yeah. you'd be like, this year they're ten percent faster. Anything <laughs> cool? I said 10% faster. <laughs> That's all you need. Be excited. The number is 10. What order do you want? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, this computer already has the M1 Pro, 16 mm-hmm. inch MacBook Pro, same battery, 100 kilowatt hour battery, which is like, it's, I think it's actually like 99 point something to like sneak under the, yeah, yeah. under the plane. But like this computer, I just like never plug it in. I haven't plugged it in all day today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do we go to the only, the only, Way I'm getting that 16-hour figure is I do not let it go to sleep, and I have it run something constantly. If I were just using this in my day-to-day life, I would not need to plug yeah, it you in would just every couple days. That's incredible. Now, I didn't get that from the M1 Max when we tested the M1 right. Max. So if I was like, I'm always on the road rendering. Mm-hmm. Road renderers. <laughs> sure. Yeah, As who isn't? Just driving with one hand <laughs> just over constantly here. constantly <laughs> just mobile Compiling rendering. Compiling code, yeah. I, maybe. Like, I, honestly, maybe. I'd be like, you know what? It's more power yeah. and more battery life. And my mobile rendering workflow <laughs> will be significantly improved. The thing that really struck me reading your review is that it runs the fan and is like a noisier computer. It was much noisier. I was using, I was running like Puget Bench in the office and like, People were a couple desks over, and they were coming over like, what is going on over here? Like that. That's right. That I can't remember the last time we had a noisy Mac. Yeah. So that is – and, I mean, you know, that was it running on high-power mode, which, like, if you don't run on high-power mode, you probably will not get that much noise. You probably will get decreased performance. Is high-power mode, like, a thing you have to activate? Yeah. So if you go into the, the, the battery profiles, you can put on silent mode. You can put it on high-power mode. You can put it on automatic, which – decides which one to use based on what you're doing. Which did you do for your battery test? The battery one. <laughs> I love that. Okay, yeah. so like high power mode, super loud, but also like balls to the wall perform- performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was, when I when I ran benchmarks while I was in the battery mode, they were, there was substantially decreased performance. So, so you want to have high power mode on if you're doing load. Mobile rendering. Yeah. Okay. Mobile you won't rendering be like Eli is, yeah, yeah, you won't be selfie. Everybody's going to hear this you. Is, come. I mean, look, given the truck you drive, everybody yeah. was hearing it you It was very, anyway. like I, I the, the, area behind the keyboard was like very hot which like I've never seen from one of these MacBooks. I well think. that's interesting though cuz that means like so these these are thermally limited like that's where where the slowdown is on Well these. so actually I think this is like kind of a weird moment for Apple right mm-hmm. cuz they have been very aggressive 
thermally limiting their machines for quite a while. Yeah. Like the Intel MacBook Airs were like thermally yeah. throttled, throttling all over the place. The first generation M1 Air in the old case design was throttled all like we would hit its limit and throttle down all the time. Yeah. And the M1 13-inch MacBook Pro would be like, I'm gonna run the fan and like last it longer. <laughs> and it was like a pretty quiet fan. This one seems like the first time Apple's like, you know what? It's going to get hot and noisy, and we're going to keep that performance envelope up. Yeah. And yeah. I will just be clear. Like, that was only – that was when it was running Puget Bench, which does just, like, the wildest things. Like, it's throwing effects. It's doing all this random stuff with 4K and 8K. Like, if I'm just, like, doing my, like, regular – like, if I'm watching Better Call Saul or whatever, it's not – like, <laughs> those, I'm not are the <laughs> those are the two extremes. Monica's it's not like, like, either it's going to melt down or we're going to watch the superior prequel. To, exactly. Those <laughs> to are the only two Mac. things that you could, would ever do in a MacBook. I'm just coming out and saying it. Is it, it, is a, it is not, we're not back in 13 inch Intel MacBook Pro land where like I open one Chrome tab and it fries itself to death. Like, yeah. this is still, that. that's not going to happen if you're just like doing Chrome or whatever. That was when it was running like the most intense thing that I ran on it. The other thing that really struck me at the review is you pointed out that uh, apart from battery life where Apple is still just like way ahead of everybody, performance-wise, Intel is making some products that can compete. It, yeah. So this year, we just went, we just came back from CES. AMD and Intel both announced these just absolutely wild chips. There's like Intel has a 24-core chip. AMD has a 16-core chip. And that's not a big little one. That's like a full 16 power cores. These, I would expect these chips to be competitive with Apple on, like, Cinebench scores. In, so we are in a very different landscape from the landscape we were in when the M1 Max came out, where Intel was just not even holding a candle to its performance. Where we do not expect Intel and AMD to compete is battery life. And I don't, I don't want to make pronouncements before I've tested the chips, but when I was talking to Jason Banta from AMD at CES, he was telling me basically like, yeah, we're not targeting an audience that cares about battery life with this chip. Like this is, this is, this is really for people who don't unplug That's their laptop. Sure. <laughs> like, that, those weren't the exact words, but that was the sentiment I got from, you know, talking to a number of different people who were involved in the making of that stuff. Richard, what were you saying? I said that that's one way to describe it. Um, and another thing that I noticed, the gaming performance is noticeably better. We've got a lot more GPU power here. And it, it seems like if you want to use your MacBook Pro to play right. games. I don't do that. I don't do recommend that doing that. But <laughs> if you want to do it, I just need to caveat that. But if you want to buy a MacBook Pro and play a ton of games on it, we saw around a 20% increase in, in graphic performance. And that, you know, that's a noticeably better gaming experience. It just means, like, game developers have to actually develop for the Mac. And we're seeing, like... We're seeing more of that, Apple, yes. Apple is courting these developers. These developers are starting to seem a little more interested. There's more you can play now than you could a couple of years ago. This but is it's such still, a low bar. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's the, bar the, is the on lowest the floor, bar. <laughs> the bar is on the floor. But it's, it's, going, it's going up. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like bit. this, and I, I hate to make this comparison for all kinds of reasons, but if I had to make a comparison, I think it's so it, it, it's competitive with the RTX 3070. Um, okay. And oh my God, they're coming over the walls with pitchforks. They're coming with pitchforks. (laughs) I only say that to sort of put it the cat, the way you can think about it, sort of the way you can classify it is like that is the kind of if if you were thinking about like what kind of power do I need? If that is the kind of graphic power you are looking for, this is the computer that will give you that. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> Which doesn't mean doesn't mean buy it to play games, and, and you also can't do creepy staring down the camera lens with your Apple. Well, laptop. apparently you can do it on Facetime, except for on Facetime. No, you can do that. I don't. Can you hold on? Now Is that only on the phone? Oh, I'm not running the latest version of macOS. I, it might only be on the phone. 
This okay. is going to make for both horrible video and audio. Yeah, Let's we're just leave this behind about us. It. The other thing that caught me was basically the only other change here is an HDMI spec change. Two point yeah. one. I mean, I mean, what show is this? We, we need to talk <laughs> about the HDMI spec change for the next hour. <laughs> but like, it, 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 Max don't do HDMI CEC. This is something I hadn't thought about, but I just learned last week. It's such a strange emission. Yeah, because they don't do CEC. So you cannot, like, a Mac right now is not a recommended product for your home theater system. And it used to be 20 years ago. When the Mac I'm, Mini first I'm, came I'm out. I'm sorry. What kind of piracy situation <laughs> do you need a Mac in your home theater for? You know what? Sometimes you just need to acquire things from the internet and you don't want to, like, then transfer them over. You just want it fast. Can I, can I tell a very tangential story? You, you know the story. Alex yeah. actually is part of the story. Oh. So I'm off Twitter. I got to fill the time. Yeah. <laughs> There's hours to reclaim now that the Twitter is not on my phone. And yes, I look at Twitter on the desktop every now and again. Sometimes I might send a tweet, and then 500 people tweet me like, I thought you quit Twitter. And it's it's like, great. Ah. Anyway, not on my phone. So I'm trying all these new things. I'm trying not to immediately fill it with more feeds. Yeah. Right? You're not trying to quit cigarettes and immediately pick up nicotine gum. You're like, I'm trying to I'm trying to rewire the brain. So this last week, Apple News, because I pay for Apple One. I get the, did you know there's a magazine I read when I was a kid called Stereo Review? It has now turned into a magazine called Sound Division. They do not publish in the Apple News format. They publish as just PDFs yeah. of a print magazine, which is, like, super fun to read. Getting back to the source. It's, yeah. it's like good, it. man. Like, reading a giant PDF magazine on an iPad is like, maybe Steve Jobs is on something. <laughs> <laughs> Full-page print ad for Samsung HDR10 in this last— It's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. But they had letters to the editor about the Kaleidoscape, which is like a $5,000, $8,000 yeah. lossless audio, high bit rate streaming thing. Like the be- it's the best of the, the hi- best. The highest quality digital video player. The people who own this also have like home theater systems that you know, cost $50,000. They custom tag all the movies yes. to trigger home automation points as you're watching them. Oh my so God. when the credits come on, you can trigger the lights to come on in your house. <laughs> I need to own this. I want this. So, like Liam's yeah. like losing his mind. This is like um, so I'm like read I'm like reading a letter to the editor about it, and like the last line is, "I'm incarcerated, and this is how I keep up with news." <laughs> oh, no. And it's like, well, first Alex immediately Google googles, <laughs> so we can't figure out who it is. I'm just telling you, no matter where you go, <laughs> the AV nerds are like, I They're need there. to know. They need Alex's to know. People are everywhere. We're and everywhere. now I feel bad that I'm like, who has a Mac Mini in their home theater setup? Because it's the guy in jail writing <laughs> studio review. <laughs> He's like he's got like the little clear Mac Mini. They've taken all it out so you can see the inside. He's ready. He's got a sick system in there. Anyway, if anybody has a Kaleidoscape, please please let me know. And I desperately want to know how you've coded your home automations to trigger with the custom oh triggers gosh. in the movie files. I'm just thinking the thing of sounds like, amazing. Think of like Panic Room, and then all of the window shades come down when they go into the room. And you're like, oh, it's so yeah. immersive. <laughs> Um, I, read, I read the actual review and in the middle of it they're like Fast and Furious 7 looks great on the Kaleidoscape <laughs> I'm like it doesn't matter like it's all the same in the end alright HDMI 2. Point. all I had to do to start this conversation was mention HDMI CEC <laughs> and there we go I told you what show it is so the only reason that you, ha- you really need 2.1 is 8K mm-hmm. which you can support great but then it's really 144 hertz refresh rates yeah. which is only for gaming yeah which, I mean, you know, if you bump the settings way down on Tomb Raider, you can maybe get there. <laughs> Wait, so you can't, you don't think you can, you, you can't run 4K 144 on this thing? We got, at 1920 by 1200, we got, I think, 103 okay. FPS. Did you, what, what game was it? 
Tomb Raider. So you didn't run something like a, the classic Civilization Four. Oh, I mean, mean that would have gotten one forty four. I, I mean, I'm sure there are like a mostly static game. <laughs> Open up SimCity, reticulate yeah. those I'm sure there are games where, where, I mean, you can find a game where, where you'll get that. If you are if you really want to do esports on your MacBook Pro 16 with M1 Max and that, M2 Max, like and that's you your gear of choice. bullied if you try to do esports on a Mac. I mean, I would bully you. Yeah, like, I would <laughs> bully you. Like, why did you spend that much on your just esports? Can- <laughs> that's just, at, the, at, at minimum, that's just such a waste of your money. All right, so these feel like solid incremental upgrades. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, the incremental upgrade is, like, a hot-button word to use. I don't say that to mean that this is, like, an inadequate upgrade or a boring upgrade or, like, objectionable. Incremental in the sense that, you know, it's around a 20% CPU uplift and a 10 to 15-ish percent single-core uplift. And a lot more battery. I mean, I, I, like, I think we're, we're kind of yeah. discounting the battery And a lot here. more battery. I'm a lot dying of to know life. what the battery life in the M2 Pro is. I'm, I'm, I have the whole weekend blocked out. We're going to see if I can run it down. In the, I've canceled yeah, plans. Last time it took you the whole it, took, it was agonizing. I, I've canceled plans. We are going to sit down. We are going to run. We are going to edit on it till it dies. But yeah, it, 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 I don't mean to say it's unexciting. It's, it's exciting to see that, you know, these are increasing how quickly people can do their work and they're increasing, you know, the number of things they can cram into a workday. The most exciting upgrade for me is the battery life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what the, would make biggest difference in, you know, the workload for someone like me. But that also goes to show somewhat that I'm not really the target audience for this yeah. for this kind of device. You're not the stealthy mobile rendering ninja. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, Maybe for my esports. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you, you, but you, you are a person who might work an entire day on your laptop. You've been in different places. You've moved from location to location. You didn't plug it in. You went to sleep. You didn't plug it in. You wake up. You have something yeah. you need to do, and you can't I can wait keep it right by my head. Move, yeah. You can't plug it in again. Yeah, It'll be fine. Yeah. Can we do a challenge for you guys when you go to WWDC where you just take a 16-inch Mac Pro and don't charge it the entire time you're there? No, because we have to get our work done. And that is <laughs> that is the environment where we actually end up killing the batteries because yeah. you're in a really RF-constrained environment. Mm-hmm. So your Wi-Fi radio is, like, hunting a lot. Yeah. And that's actually bizarrely the thing that always ends up killing oh, the batteries. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the other thing, um, and I meant in this review, I actually am almost as excited to see what kinds of discounts we see on the M1 Pro and M1 Max because if those laptops go below $2,000 – I'm going to have I, – I can't say this for sure. I would not be surprised if I have a real hard time recommending any 15 or 16-inch laptop that's not those because yeah. that is just going to be such a, like, wildly good buy for, for, for a lower price than this. Yeah. I, I'm actually – I feel the same way about the um, Mac Minis. Yeah. Right? Like, if this generation of Mac Minis ever sees a discount with the M2 Pro in it, just like, right now, it's like sitting at yeah. six hundred bucks, five ninety nine. Yeah. If that thing get dips anywhere below five, it's like ugh. so five fifty. No, five, no, it's 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 like four ninety nine ninety nine. I'm like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh, four fifty done. You just didn't yeah. even think because I mean, it's 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 the longevity of that machine given its performance envelope. Yeah, for the things you want to do with a Mac Mini, you're like, I'm gonna have this computer for fifteen years. But you won't right. be able to put it in your home theater system. You will not be. <laughs> That's how you get a kaleidoscope. <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> if the Kaleidoscape people are listening, which I, I'm sure they are. Yes, 100%. The first time we've ever mentioned this product on this podcast. <laughs> They're like sitting up right now. Send send Alex a Kaleidoscape. <laughs> I, I, I want to I try one out. Please. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a client server system. Yeah. So if you just buy the client, you still can't do anything. <laughs> you have to buy a separate like 64 gigabyte server. Huge servers. And I was trying to price them out, but it's one of those websites where you go and they, they're like, call us for a quote. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> That's good. It's good. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the elephant in the room when you're reviewing something like this and, you know, sort of the, the caveat you have to make when you say anything good about it is, like, these are really expensive. Like, they're really great. There are lots of great things about them. The cheapest M2 Max unit is, like, over $3,000. It is a really inaccessible laptop for many, many people. But so, so I'm sort of still, I'm still, you know, I think it's great. I still see it as kind of a niche purchase because it is in that high price point. The M1 Max and the M1 Pro are moving it, it, the more down. discounted they are, the much closer they are to being like very accessible mainstream purchases, or it's certainly more so than uh, the M2 devices. I, again, I, that M1 Max, I, I felt like didn't quite have the ba- – it had the performance, mm-hmm. but most people don't need it because yeah. it's mostly like extra GPU performance, right? Yeah. And like what are you going to do, play games on this thing? <laughs> Yes, um, <laughs> Alex. Crusader <laughs> Kings three. Alex is gonna play Civ four. <laughs> it's the M one Pro if it comes down. Then like that thing is it's in such a sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my device is usually, and I, I think that based on we we haven't gone to fully benchmark and break down the M two Pro laptop yet. We do have the M two Pro Mac Mini, so we have a sense of how that's going to perform. We'll have more updates next week about how the laptop specifically compare. But based on what we are seeing so far, I imagine it's going to be a similar situation where the M2 Pro is more of the everyone chip. Like, that's what you can get if you, you know, are doing this stuff occasionally. Like, this stuff being, like, video stuff, Xcode, re- the rendering that Neil is doing all the time. Constantly. If you are buying this laptop... <laughs> In your car. <laughs> right. I'm rendering bitcoins on the go left <laughs> and right. If you are buying this primarily to do a graphically intensive task, then it the M2 Max, you'll have a better time. It will save you, you know, if your job requires you to do all this stuff really fast, the M2 Max will save you time. But the, the increase is not such that it is super, super necessary for, like, the average buyer to have it. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. We'll have more after Monica's marathon M2 <laughs> Pro battery testing session. We'll Please see. Me She's going to come out the other side like a skeleton. I'll be just a zombie, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have more. We'll have updates on that. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Google. Okay. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. 
Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, we're back. It's time to talk about Trouble in Alphabet City. Big which, trouble in Alphabet City. Which is a real neighborhood here in New York City. Yeah, but this is, this is a different like alphabet. You, like if, to normal people, if you say there's trouble in Alphabet City, they'll be like, what, did a trust fund baby run <laughs> over a car? Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> did someone not get into the club? <laughs> That's not what's happening here. No. It's way less fun. Yeah. Uh, so lots of Google news this week. They laid off 12,000 people mm-hmm. on Friday. First mass layoffs in Google history. Major culture change for Google. They've never done it before. Larry Page, Sergey Brin back at the company to talk it over with Sundar. Yeah. Obviously, they're the founders. And they, they, no one knows where they've been for years. Like, Sergey is just like out. Just like part. Came r- back r- from raging. the. Yeah. Larry's trying to fly a taxi. <laughs> he like, landed Larry in. Page has like five flying car startups. <laughs> I think it's down to like three or maybe two. Now. Oh, it's just two. All right. Okay. But they're back in the building at Google because they got to refocus. Big New York Times story about Google calling a code red over mm-hmm. chat GPT. We can get all to that. They left 12,000 people. Seemingly at random. I'm right. sure that, you know, they, they, there are reports that they had hundreds of executives make, like all together to make sure they made the right decisions. But, you know, very senior people who've been at Google for 8, 10, 12 years clipped very junior people who actually like you know, it's a 12,000 people, a lot of people. Yeah. So, like, I've seen TikToks from Google employees who are like, I just walk, walked out of a client meeting. <laughs> Whoops. Woo. You know? Um, and they're not done yet because they're all over the world. Mm-hmm. Lots of legal regulations, lots of different countries. So that's just the top line. And Liz actually has a great piece today about the layoffs across tech because Amazon had layoffs, Stripe had layoffs, Microsoft had layoffs, just down the line. And they all have the same reasoning, <laughs> Spotify had layoffs. Yeah. Which is we thought the changes – brought about by the pandemic, would would stay. Which is, everybody really sat there and was like, we thought everybody sitting in their houses, baking bread and crying about missing the outdoors would just <laughs> be the, the present forever. Yeah. Like, we're all going to shop online. We're going to watch all of our videos on YouTube and Netflix. We're going to listen to everything on Spotify. We're yeah. going to do Clubhouse. Do you remember when the tech industry tried to convince us Clubhouse was real? And, like, I talk for a living. Yeah. And I was like, y'all, uh-uh. Everybody's like, we got spaces now, though. <laughs> we got spaces out of it. And like, they thought that they thought that we were going to be buying brand new electronics and new laptops every six months for the yeah. next. Logitech was like, years. webcams are back. And, I was like, oh. I, you know, I, I'm trying to keep Logitech in business, but I can only buy so many. <laughs> like, I have to put them somewhere at some point. <laughs> Stare directly down the camera, <laughs> the racing wheel. Logitech had bad earnings this, this mm-hmm. quarter. So this is the context, right? They're all blaming it on, we thought the pandemic trends would stay where they were. How could we know? It it seems a little short-sighted. Yeah. Like when Liz is writing this piece, she's like, what do you think? I was like, the first sentence is, they didn't think we would go back outside. <laughs> and so I like, we can talk about why the layoffs are happening and all, all this stuff. But, like, that's the reason that the tech companies are giving. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it on this show. I've talked about it in Decoder. Like, 
what are the first order changes of the pandemic? What are the second order changes? Like remote work is a lasting right. second order change. Like a real thing on, um, I go on CNBC a lot. All cable news is like, screw it, you can be on Zoom now. They used to be like, you have to come in. Yeah. School has changed. We don't have snow days anymore. I was just talking to my sister about my, my nephew. They had a snow day, but it was not a snow day. It was just a go to school. Oh, that's brutal. That's, that should be illegal. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if there's anyone we can call. Little about kids that. unionize and, right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The little kids union. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, so there, there's that stuff. But the top line of all these layoffs yeah. is we thought it was permanent, and that just seems so mistaken. And I think for Google especially. It just rings really hollow to me. Yes. Especially when you compare it to Apple, who's notably not had layoffs and also didn't grow at nearly the same pace as these other companies. These other companies were doing 60, 70 percent growth uh, year over year for like their staff. And Apple was like 10, 20 percent. And so, yeah, now these companies are going, oh, we need all that money back. Never mind. Give it back. Right. And, they're, and they're apart from Meta, which Mark Zuckerberg said the same thing. We had, saw this acceleration of the pandemic, and now we got to wind it back. Okay. But, you know, Google, they left their AI divisions alone, but they shut down their incubator, which does all their 20% time projects. Mm-hmm. They're shutting down all these, like, weird other bets they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're, like, health science division of Alphabet. Like, they're trying to refocus on the core of Google. I think a lot of people have learned from Elon <laughs> <laughs> like, I just get rid of, like, most of the company. And, like, yeah, it'll be a little crappier, but... It, it, kind of, it still goes. going to do crash? Like, <laughs> and, and, and we have yet to see. So that's, like, the big context for Google, right? They just had this, like, very traumatic event. Yeah. And, like, maybe the whole tech industry is just copycatting each other. Liz has great quotes in her piece. Like, a management professor at Stanford is like, everyone's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, he's like, it's morons being morons. What do you want for this? It's very good. So, but that's the broader context. But then specifically Google, mm-hmm. right? You look at all the other companies, Amazon, it's like, oh, maybe they built too much warehouse capacity to laying people off. Microsoft, they like shut down HoloLens and a bunch of weird surface stuff that people weren't going to buy. PC shipments are down because the pandemic is over and everyone already bought their new PC. Still Microsoft, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Google is like, oh, they did all of this. They fired 12,000 people. The government is suing them. We should talk about this ad tech lawsuit. Mm-hmm. The second big antitrust lawsuit against Google, which it's it, ad tech We're is a little com- biased here, but yeah. We're a little biased. <laughs> um, you know how I feel about the web. That's a big deal. And then they are on the run from chat GPT. We talked about this a little bit last week. Yeah. You just like add up this week for Google. And you're like, oh, this is the most existential threats a company can face at the same time. Yeah. This is this is way different than like the pixel comes out and does not great numbers. This is this is their core business is under attack from many different avenues. And like I think the chat GPT avenue is not actually the the big existential threat that they feel it is. But the the stuff going on with the DOJ, that feels really really big and important to me potentially. Much more so than the chat GPT, but that feels like more of a a crisis of, like, what are we as a company? Yeah. Richard, what are you saying? And all of these things are happening at once. It, it's just something that we really have never seen for Google, like, since it came on the scene, that we that they've had all of this, a real comp- competitor that maybe they aren't ready for in a, in a space that they aren't ready for. The, the pressures of regulators are higher than they've ever been because – Everyone has a reason to take take a hammer to big tech. It's just a way that you can score points as a politician, as you pointed out many times, Neelai. And I, I don't know. I, I can't I can't remember a time since Google has existed that we've seen them 
on the back foot like this. Yeah, it's tough. And I, my, you know, my theory about Google is people don't take it seriously because it's called Google. Like it's it's hard <laughs> to see the company for what it is. Yeah, because it's called Google, and it, it you know it very and for a good reason. It maintains this image of being like a goofball place for smart people to do smart well, stuff. Well, it worked really hard on that whole do no evil thing, which they've gotten rid of. Yeah, it's gone. They had a movie about working it. They made a movie about getting jobs. It was like an Owen Wilson movie. Yeah. Real Hollywood stars. And it's an advertising company. Like, and for some reason, we don't think of it that way. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, big advertising companies, they love to think of themselves as, like, creative, progressive shops. And then at the end of the day, they're, like, selling you cigarettes and booze. Like, fine. (laughs) Google is an advertising company, but they're, like, an ad tech company. And so this is what this lawsuit really gets at, is most of what we as consumers experience of Google – are the products, and particularly the two, Search and YouTube, mm-hmm. Gmail. Great. And they're good products. People like them. They're the industry leader. It's a very hard to compete with Google Search in particular. But the other side of Google, the business of Google, is as ruthlessly competitive as any company. Yeah. And it's run by advertising executives and salespeople and money people. And they are not shy. And so they are not shy about winning whatever competition they're in or foreclosing competition or protecting their monopoly. So you see this lawsuit, it's 194 pages long. It's fun to read in the sense that any lawsuit that explains what ad tech is and how it works could be fun to read. I read it. I recommend you go read the complaint. It's just the complaint. It's a bunch of allegations, but, you know, uh, they've obviously done a bunch of discovery. They have a lot of quotes from executives. And what you find is that when you load a web page, when you load one of our web pages or the Times web page or any publisher, any website really that has ads on it, There's a whole stack of technology. It's called the ad tech stack. And there's lots of components. And at every layer of the stack, Google owns either the one or two product. And they make it so that all those products work better together. And they charge more money that Google then skims off at another layer of the stack. And they have ruthlessly operated this system to basically be the winner. There's no way to compete with them. And all this other stuff that Google has done in the past, like Google AMP. Uh, Google discuss like this these products that Google makes they use them to force people back into their advertising ecosystem. The it, funnel. It's, it's it's like a ruthless money machine. Yeah. And so if you just like to abstract it, the way to think about it is Apple's revenue platform that we've complained about many times mm-hmm. is the iPhone and the App Store. Right. Right. And at, at the end of the day, Tim Cook's goal is that every time you push any button on your phone, he gets, he gets money. He gets money. And you can just see that they ruthlessly optimize for that. And people can argue about whether that's good or that's bad. You can have antitrust lawsuits or laws in Congress or the Europeans can matter at you. But, like, that's the goal, and you can see how they get there. Yeah. You can see that, you know, Amazon's revenue platform is its store and its AWS business. And their goal is to get you to buy everything from Amazon and for every app to use AWS and cloud service provider. You can do this with Microsoft, too. You can do this with all these companies. Google's revenue platform is the web. Yeah. And so it's hard to see where it begins and ends because you're not. It's so ubiquitous. It's just everywhere. And so you forget. So you forget that all these ads are being served to you by Google, in particular by a company Google acquired called DoubleClick. Mm -hmm. And they run this product called DFP, DoubleClick for Publishers, which they changed to Google Ads Manager. Every still calls it DFP. Uh, And that thing that they own, the ad server, is like hard-coded to prefer Google's ad exchanges. Mm-hmm. It's hard, and that is hard-coded to prefer Google's demand-side platform. These are all just like ad tech words. Whatever. It's just like everywhere you go, the whole chain is Google. Mm-hmm. And so the government's case against Google 
is you bought up all the competitors at every layer of the stack. You used your dominance in one layer of the stack to achieve dominance in another layer of the stack. And now you're charging higher prices, which every other time we talk about antitrust, we're like, we got to change this thing from the consumer welfare theory where there's no higher prices because everything's free, right? Da, da, da. We got to like invent this new, ant- this is just like old school, yeah. 1980s, Ronald Reagan, Robert Bork <laughs> antitrust. It's like, oh, you bought all this shit and now the prices went up. And so like maybe they got like, you know, usually every time there's a lawsuit, Amazon's like, but people love Amazon Prime. Like, you know, like <laughs> Apple's like, the app store made everyone happier today. Everybody loves Netflix. This is like a bunch of advertisers. Like, you you robbed us. Yeah. And like Google's, Google can't be like, people love web advertising. <laughs> like, they're in a tough spot with this shit. That's a much harder case to make. Yeah. And so, like, I just see this as it's not a novel legal theory. It's not some, like, Lena Khan invention. Yeah. It's a class. The people who want the lawsuit are the media, mm-hmm. advertising companies other e-commerce companies, like they all see it that, oh, we're losing revenue. We're losing profit margin into Google. There's real money at stake. And this is Google's bit. Like this is the money. Yeah. Right. If you, if you uncouple the web from Google, I'm not sure what the web looks like. Duck, duck, go. <laughs> like if people are doing SEO spam for duck, duck, go, like <laughs> you found it like the nichest of niche interests. You've got three customers. Here's what I do. I cosplay as a specific Victorian lord, and I do SEO for (laughs) DuckDuckGo. What are you doing? Man, I'm telling you, what we're going to do, we're going to rebuild Ask Jeeves. It's going to be real people. It's just going to be a guy. You're just going to ask a guy. He's going to tell you something. And similar to AI, it may or may not be true. But you'll get a yeah, response. you think chat GPT is just a, a bunch of cosplayers? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, this to me, so if you just add this up, it's on the one hand, and I, I don't think this is true at all, but people will, are out there mm-hmm. freaking out the stock market by saying chat GPT is going to replace Google. Yeah. And it's like, mostly what you experience with chat GPT is the good stuff. Like, if you actually sit around trying to use ChatGPT, you're like, this, this thing is, like, not very good. Yeah. It's very impressive, but you're seeing it filtered through millions really of people only showing you the best stuff. Resource-intensive and expensive to use. Uh, yeah. By the way, we got it wrong in the show. Um, in classic TikTok strategy, we published oh. the thing we said wrong, and that is our most viewed TikTok. Yes! That's all for you guys. We Misinformation. Gotcha. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> you clicked, didn't you? Uh, no, we got it wrong. We were getting it wrong. It's uh, it's on Azure. Okay. Microsoft obviously has huge investment. OpenAI, they just made a bigger investment. It, uh, Sam Altman, CEO, okay. says it is not very expensive to run right oh, now. They need to make it cheaper. It is not as cheap as Google searches right. per query. It's still like more resource It's intensive. more resource intensive than Google search. But you see Microsoft is like, oh, we don't have to do Bing. We can just answer the questions directly with chat GPT. <laughs> All right, maybe that's right. Uh, BuzzFeed today announced that it's going to start having ChatGPT write the quizzes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mia has done a lot of great reporting on our competitor, CNET, uh, which uh, I have very bittersweet feelings with. CNET has been the thing that we have competed against. They're our enemy. Since we are founding, right? They're like, we got to beat CNET. They're like the bastion. And they got bought by this private equity company. And now they're like, publish SEO spam written by (laughs) robots. Because they are flooding Google to try to win searches and then put ads on those pages, the ads are served by Google. Yeah, basically, like, they're just chasing Google. When I say I don't know what the shape of the web is without Google, it's, you can, CNET's ownership can be like, everybody automates their mortgage rate stories. What they have not accounted for is why does CNET publish mortgage rate <laughs> stories? 
And the answer is because they want to win the Google searches. Yeah. So that when you buy a mortgage, you've come through their affiliate link and they get a huge cut of that. Do you know um, when you sign up for a credit card on like the points guy is great. When you sign up for a credit card, it's all owned by some company. It's like almost $900 to sign up in an affiliate rank. By the way, we are going to start recommending credit cards <laughs> on TheVerge.com. And mortgages. Um, sign up just, with us. You just look at that system. Yeah. And you're like, on the one hand, people think, whether or not it's true, that it will be disrupted by AI chatbot technology, and Microsoft is making that investment. And Google cannot replace, like regulators around the world will destroy Google if Google stops sending traffic to people, scrapes their data into a language model, and then starts answering the questions directly. Yeah. I just just don't think that's going to go well for them. Well, I think everybody would just also probably frantically start delisting and being all in on DuckDuckGo. (laughs) Alex is the new CEO of DuckDuckGo, everyone. Um, Please invest. (laughs) Directly to me, Venmo. Uh, And then on the flip side, the AI is being used to flood the search results with garbage. Mm-hmm. Right. So like Google is in like a war of attrition against SEO spammers who now have an even cheaper way yeah. of filling out their content farms. And then the government's like, also, your money is evil. And we want to, and oh, that forgot to say this. The government is asking to break up Google's ad yes. tech division. They want to spin off double click for publishers and AdX, which is their exchange. So, like, just imagine being like Sundar Pichai. Right. You're like, on the one hand, I've got to <laughs> kill the cash cow mm-hmm. and replace it with. The technology we developed, our own LLMs, Lambda and others, yeah. which are superior to ChatGPT, but we haven't released because we have ethical concerns about it. Whoops. But our competitor, Microsoft, has no such qualms. <laughs> They're just going to do it. Uh, meanwhile, our cash cow search is being turned into a worse product by these same ChatGPT-wielding SEO spammers. <laughs> oh, and the government wants to break us up. It's and like, it's all kind of of Google's own making, too, yeah. right? Like, Google became so dominant, everybody is chasing to be on Google, seeking the fastest, easiest way to get a tiny piece of the pie that Google has made itself. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of its own fault. Yes. Yeah, so like, success I, is, like, what's brought it here, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a very smart company. I think Sonora's a great CEO. I, I think he's ruthless when he needs to be, and he's kind when he needs to be. He's very thoughtful. It's around, like He knows how to make money. We've interviewed him many times. Yeah. He is a very thoughtful and considered man. I just am like, his choice is effectively, all right, it's everyone on the web. Mm -hmm. It's governments around the world. (laughs) It's the Department of Justice. Who am I going to piss off? (laughs) Right? Because, like, whatever move he makes (laughs) is going to piss off, like, two of those entities. Yeah. And I just think that is such a difficult place to be. So there, like I said, there's reporting out that, Google is called a code red about ChatGPT. They do have all this AI technology. They have um, incepted this meme that Google invented the T in ChatGPT. It stands for transformer. <laughs> it's true. They've demoed it many times. Go back and watch any Google I.O. Like, there's a weird middle segment where Sundar is like, now I will talk to a fire hydrant as though it's a kitty. And it's like, I don't know what's going on, but, like, they, they can do it. Like, when they had everybody calling, you could just, like, ask for it to call and make a reservation for that, you? I don't think that's that the Transformer the model. Okay. That's, that's a different conversation. They've been demoing the, the Transformer large language models. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think the last demo, it was either this past year or the year before, he, like, asked Pluto if it was a planet. That's right. And Pluto was, like, kind of sad, you know? <laughs> it was like, well, I'll by myself. I don't really know what's going on. But what they were demoing is effectively the same technology as ChatGPT. So they have it. Mm-hmm. They are not releasing it because it's. they've thought until now it is unethical to let people talk to a robot that will confidently lie to them. Yes. And it, it is unethical. Microsoft. 
then Microsoft is like, whatever, man. Like, we lost it in mobile. We lost on the web. We lost in search. We do it. We're, we're going to do something. Check out this lion robot we <laughs> With Bing. <laughs> but that's, that's the issue that they're running into now. So they're trying to launch all these AI products. They've got their search issues that you've laid out. But something that, that you've talked about a lot when we talk about this antitrust and these, these massive tech companies is that every single thing that they launch isn't big enough to really have any impact on their core product and all the money that it makes. So they can have all these, these new AI things. They can, you know, Sundar, he, he can, he can do all. They of say they're going to launch 20 new AI products. None of them year. matter. None of them will replace what he has. Yeah. 20? The New York times, the New York times described all of these products that they are going to try to make. They're doing all the AI things that you've heard of that everyone else is doing. Maybe some that we haven't heard of. We're going to see them all at IO, but none of them are bigger than advertising. Yeah. And and that's the thing that's under yeah. direct threat. And it's under direct threat, again, in two different – no, it's under direct threat in three different ways, right? Yeah. The demand side of it – we talked about this last week. The demand side of it is people might search TikTok or ask ChatGPT or something else instead. Yeah. Or just search Reddit. People do that all the time. The supply side that's of it is uh, futurism, which has also done a great job reporting on the AI controversy. They had a great headline – Last week, that's like the SEO spammers are thrilled at Google's non-response <laughs> to CNET's AI issues. Like, and they're like in the dark web forums, and the SEO spammers are like, "Light it up, boys!" Like, because <laughs> that is a pure volume game for them, right? You mm-hmm. flood the internet with garbage content. You hope that people, you hope it ranks anywhere. You hope you collect some traffic. You show some garbage ads, and you take your pennies and you just stack pennies until you've made dollars. And if you can make web pages for nothing with a AI product, yeah, whew, you can stack those pennies pretty fast, right? And Google just like needs to have an answer to this. And I don't think that they've arrived at one where they're like, we will preserve the quality of Google search without irritating everyone or compete with ChatGPT without irritating everyone. And then in the middle of it, uh, to Richard's point, the government's like, you know the machine that makes money that you're trying to fix? What if we took two-thirds of it away and spun it off into different companies? And I just like... I'm just like looking at this week for Google. I'm like, this is one of the most pivotal weeks for one. Of, like we talk about the, you know, this set of fan companies like every week. We're never like, man, Netflix is having an existential week. We're never, you know, like yeah. we're never like, oh, Apple could be five companies tomorrow. <laughs> like this is like one of the most consequential existential weeks for Google that I can think of for a big tech company in a, like a long time. We're potentially five years down the line. We're looking at this week as like, oh, that was the beginning of a total re-architecting of the web. Yeah. I do wonder, I was, I, you know, I've been knocking on the chat GPT plan to like compete with it. I wonder how much of that plan though is also to figure out how to combat it and, and the spam it creates on Google. Because like if you go and you create a new competitor for it and figure out all the inner workings, you theoretically could like figure out how to highlight it and spot it. Uh, I think Casey and Platformer <laughs> spotlighted some of this where he's mm-hmm. like, Google does have AI detection uh, systems, it can, because it knows the training data sets, it knows what it looks like on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it, there's this concept of like radioactive data where you seed the models with some stuff where you know what outputs it will generate and you can detect it even better. We'll see. I, yeah. I think we're in the middle of an arms race for Google. I love it. Uh, 12,000, it's the first time the company's ever had layoffs of the scale. Never mind, I don't love it. Yeah, I just think it's going to be weird. All right, we got to take a break. We come back, we talk about Tesla earnings, a little lightning round, some Microsoft in there. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. 
If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. I don't know why I thought we could get through Tesla and the lightning round in the last segment here. I believe in us. We're going to go really fast. We're We're just going to accelerate it. Listen to us at 3X. So we're going to talk fast and they have to listen to us at 3X? (laughs) Do a line of Coke first. (laughs) Don't do a line of Coke. (laughs) This is not an endorsement of cocaine. Sorry. (laughs) I heard specifically, (laughs) I was told by an executive at this company (laughs) Then I had a, a job to do. <laughs> and what else can I do? Was the job doing cocaine? <laughs> Who which exec? All right. That's fine. Was that was that not was that not was that not in your employment contract? Because our start our startup days Mine are was over very carefully Richard. negotiated. There was a time. Yeah. Again, that, this was the time when we were doing the video Vergecast. <laughs> the <laughs> last time. Like I said, karmic debt. We are just immediately running up the bill again. Just we turn the cameras on. Alex is like, "Here's what you should do, kids." The whole line. All right, we do have to get through this. Please, uh, just don't tell your parents about that. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) It's bad. Just don't let them know any of that happened. All right, lots of Tesla, Tesla earnings. Elon's on trial for the four twenty. The four twenty tweet finally back. he is very upset about being on trial. Yeah, uh, he's attacked the the plaintiff. He's attacked the plaintiff's lawyer several times. Uh, the it's a class action. It's a group of investors who feel that they lost money because Elon tweeted taking Tesla private at four twenty a share, funding secured, which was a thing that the SEC was also like, no. Yeah, the judge has instructed the jury in this case to 
proceed knowing the tweet was a lie. <laughs> so like Elon's on his back foot. And so he's in the courtroom. He's taking the stand. We've been covering it. But he's basically said to the plaintiff's lawyer, like, you don't represent my actual investors. Yeah. Uh, you're just you're just like a vulture, which is very funny. The judge got mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he knows that he's popular because he has so many Twitter followers. Oh, buddy. That's tough. That's a tough one. Oof. Uh, just, I would say he's complained of back pain. Yeah. Uh, so just a very rough week. He did for say the 420 tweet was not about anything in particular as well. Oh, he said it wasn't, he said it wasn't a wee joke. He said it was a real number that was a 20% premium over the share price. Sure. Uh, for which again, he was castigated by the judge because the judge was like, but the treat was a lie. <laughs> uh, it's a lot. So he's been on the stand. There's a lot of coverage there. Obviously that, that trial is mostly mechanical about injury to these shareholders, Elon's on a witness stand. We're not going to not yeah, cover we're it. Gonna, we're going to watch. Uh, so that's happening. At the same time, Tesla had earnings. Richard, earnings did pretty well. They actually made more money in 2022 than they ever oh, did yeah. before. Yeah. So it, it's amazing the way that we talk about the chaos, the way that his focus on Twitter may have taken away from Tesla or, or any a number of other things. Tesla is still making money. They are still making more cars than they than they did before. They are relying less on those credits that they sell to other companies for revenue. They are acting like an actual car company. Amazing. Building vehicles that people buy. They showed off the semi finally. The Cybertruck will arrive So, so they, they pushed – 2024, they pushed the Cybertruck. Yeah. They said, you know, the factory construction is underway. This is on the earnings call. No <laughs> – Update on the windshield wiper situation. <laughs> Zero. I swear to God, they are still working on the Cybertruck. That's what's holding wipers. it back. It's three wipers in a circle. I will accept no other answer. <laughs> Just going to get super hot. They have, they have not solved this problem. Yeah. I guarantee you they have not solved this problem. It's it's the it's amazing. But Cybertruck still vaporware. But they lowered the price of the three and the Y. Sales skyrocketed. They say they have a new platform coming that they're going to show with their investor day. So there's stuff. Yeah. So Tesla's moving. Uh, obviously, he got some questions about Twitter. Mm-hmm. He, again, said that he didn't think Twitter was a distraction, <sighs> that it's a good marketing channel for Tesla. Look at my followers. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, at the same time, Twitter has run just face first into what I might uh, be so bold as to call a predictable welcome to hell situation. <laughs> Uh, in which the government of India, the, the Modi administration in India, is very upset about a BBC documentary that looks at riots instead of Gujarat, Hindu versus Muslim riots. They're mm-hmm. very, very bad. And basically places a lot of the blame for these riots with the current prime minister of India, Narendra Modi. This is like not a surprise to anyone that like he was an inciting factor in these riots or that he... He allowed it to happen. Like, he's a Hindu nationalist. That's what this party is known for. This happened in 2014. Yeah. This has been the accusation all along. BBC just made a documentary about it. If you are interested in such a thing, you should watch this documentary. Government of India has strict censorship laws. Mm-hmm. Like, super strict censorship laws. They require social media companies to have national offices staffed by locals so that they can threaten to arrest those locals if you do not comply with their censorship laws. Well, I don't want to work... You do not want, yeah, this is like, and this is like one of those things where you can claim to be a a free speech warrior. You are going to end up asking yourself if you would like to do business in India, Mm -hmm. one of the largest countries in the world. And if you do want to do business in India, 
you have to staff an office full of potential hostages for the Indian government to take if you do not comply with their censorship demands. Oof. Real problem. Yeah. So India sees this documentary, again, produced by the BBC. I have many opinions about the BBC, but, you know, they at least attempt to be journalistically rigorous. Mm-hmm. It says a thing that people have been saying for a long time. They hate it. Right. This attacks the government of India. This is not respectful. Whatever. The justification. Take it down, YouTube, Twitter, Internet Archive. <laughs> Remove your links to this thing. So YouTube caves, which is unsurprising right. for YouTube. They have the office there. They do it. This is their stance, right? This like tightrope balancing act that all the big platforms have done. Mm-hmm. Where do we comply? Where do we stand up for our users? All right, we're taking this one down. We're not serving it in India. You can get it here. But in India, you don't get to see it. By the way, Indian YouTube flooded with Indians talking about the video that was removed. <laughs> Did this work? Who knows? VPNs exist. <laughs> Stratazen effect. Was this a, does this does censorship work on the internet? Who knows? Yeah, that's what that's what YouTube does. And on balance, right? YouTube is like they have a lot of lawyers. You have a lot of Google policy people who are like actively arguing that. Twitter just takes down. And it's like, does Twitter have a policy team anymore? Do mm-hmm. they know that the government is removing links to a BBC documentary? Do they know that their owner is like Elon Musk, who's like, I believe in free speech. I'm a I'm a free speech absolutist. I don't know. People asked Elon about it. He's like, I can't keep on top of everything all the time. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, th- I mean, this is it, right? If, like, you are against government censorship. Yeah. These are the fights that you are going to have. Like, this is a core fight for someone who says they are very much yeah. against government censorship. So, Addie wrote a piece. You should read it. Her point is Elon has always said, I don't think companies should censor. If the people want things censored, they should pass a law. So, that is just open support of government censorship. Yep. I don't think the people of India have voted on a lot to remove this documentary. But that's where we're at is this extremely fine tightrope walk Mm -hmm. of what it actually means to support free speech against the actual threat to free speech, which is government censorship. Yeah. And I I think Elon, I think he's like back on the Tesla SpaceX trip. He's over the Twitter adventure and it's just going to get worse. Richard, you want to say something? Uh, well, I just wanted to know, you know, if, if you support free speech, or if anyone does support free speech, why didn't they spend $44 billion on a social network that no one wanted to buy? That's, that's just what a real free speech supporter would have done. Like Elon Musk, who does support free speech for people who have $44 billion and don't piss off the governments in countries that they wanted to visit. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that I should be made uh, king of Twitter. Elon, if you're listening, I'll do it. It'll be, it, it'll be expensive. Yeah, that's the title that I demand. I like it. King of Twitter. It'll be spendy. Yeah, I ain't cheap. Oh, no, they're not public. I was going to be like, do you go to earnings calls? But you wouldn't have to because you're the king of Twitter. There's one earnings call you have to go to, and it will be extremely annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Audience of one. Um, We'll see. I'm just saying, like, Tesla's back on track. They need new cars. They're facing an onslaught of competition this year. Most of those cars are still vaporware. Like, can you get an F-150 Lightning? No, you cannot. No. Can you get a Rivian? No, you cannot. Can you get a Cybertruck? <laughs> Fair enough. No. Can you get a Cadillac Lyric? No, you cannot. Like, the competition is coming as a, as a drum that has been beaten, but the cars are not shipping. Yeah. Once they start shipping, once the ad dollars flow through Google's <laughs> ecosystem, <laughs> uh, I think Tesla is going to have to, like, figure out what to do. But what they know they can do right now is mm, it's got to lower prices. Yeah. People are just going to show up. And I think I'm excited for actual competition in the EV market. I think that'd be good. But the moment Elon has to turn his attention back to governments around the world want to censor Twitter, 
And it's like, well, it's, that's a powder keg. Because he doesn't want to really turn there. He's already said, if you make a law and, and we're just going to abide by that law. So if the government comes to us and says, take it down, we're going to take it down. Except, But if the United States government does that, he gets real mad. Because the, the First Amendment. He doesn't care about that. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, he's got that. So he doesn't want to take anything down in America, right? Yeah, I don't know. But he wants to make it the safest place in the world for advertisers. Like, it's, it's – Yeah. He, I, when I say this is a welcome to hell problem – this is like none of it makes sense. The other social networks. You know that Financial Times set up a Mastodon instance. Everyone wants us to set up a Mastodon instance. By the way, thank you to the one Vergecast listener who just went off and did it. Yes, and like beat our own teams to setting up a Mastodon instance <laughs> with Activity Pub with had which has quick posts in it. Like very good. Congratulations. Potentially an IP issue, but for now, I've just I'm overlooking it. It's great. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, really excited for you to talk about that in the court case. In six months. Yes. If uh, if this is opposing counsel's attorney, I didn't mean it. I'm not Neil Patel. This is a deep fake. You can tell because I'm looking directly into the camera. Hmm? I'm not me. Right now, a deep fake is saying this in Spanish. Who knows what's happening? Um, <laughs> the Financial Times set up a mass on server. You see this? Yeah. And they took it down. They're like, this is too hard. Wait, no, it's too much. They're like, the escalating legal and server costs are too much. We don't want to do this anymore. You server costs, you have to be like, oh, I can now see everyone's DMs. Yeah. They're like, we, no. don't, we don't want this in our lives. Very good. Uh, Microsoft also had earnings. What's going on with Microsoft? Uh, not, not good. Good news. Pretty, pretty bad news <laughs> at Microsoft. And bad news at Intel, too. Yeah. I think there is a theme here, which is that, Everybody bought their laptops and computers in 2020 and 2021, and they didn't buy any in 2022, <laughs> especially at the end of the year. So Microsoft's earnings were really down across all hardware. So that means Windows, the OEMs, they're not selling enough to the OEMs because the OEMs aren't selling enough <laughs> laptops. <laughs> they're not selling surfaces because nobody wants to buy them. They're not selling Xboxes, which was kind of an interesting one. Their their cloud's holding strong. Azure is, is doing great. That's where they're putting a lot of their investments. And I think we saw also with their layoffs. Their layoffs really particularly hit hard a lot of those hardware divisions, a lot yeah. of those places that are based in you owning the device and using all of it. So if you like that. Yeah, Microsoft's turning away from you. They don't care about you. Oh, I mean, they probably still care about you. They still have the business. They're not going to get rid of They're going to put edge icons on your desktop to try to get you into some Microsoft services. Yeah, but it was it was not good times for Microsoft. And we saw the same thing with Intel. Intel, again, their stuff's down. Chips are down because nobody is buying the laptops to put the chips in, so none of the laptop makers are buying the chips. And the GPU business is real down. To be fair, there's only like one GPU, two. There's not that many GPUs at Intel. So this is not a shock. Intel is also anticipating a 40% drop year over year next quarter. Not good. Not good. So Intel's in trouble. They knew they were in trouble. They, they, they've been anticipating this, unlike a lot of the other companies. They still miss a lot of their forecasts, right? Yeah. They, they didn't hit any of their marks. But they also were like, it's not going to be good. And it wasn't good. And they're like, it's going to be even worse. And it's going to be even worse. And I think they're really looking towards when they get these fabs up in, what, 2024, I think, is when the first one's supposed to come online. In Ohio. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, them and, this, and, and Tesla, they're both like, just, just wait. Don't worry about 2023. We're going to back the Cybertruck right up to our new fab. It's going to be great. Roll out some three nanometer <laughs> chips, send them directly this. to AMD. We'll see. I mean, again, the, the theme of these tech layoffs, and you really should read Liz's piece. All of them are like, we just thought the pandemic would last forever. Yeah. We just thought people would buy a new laptop every year. And it's like, why, why did you think that? 
it's like it's like uh, the best example I can give is like the whole TV industry thought 3D TV would work and last forever. Yes, and it's like guys, James Cameron still thinks that. By the way, <laughs> uh, some other lightning around stuff. It was the big Taylor Swift Ticketmaster hearing. T Swift was not there. I, but you, they all. She was there. She was there in, in the spirit. That every senator quoted. She was there in every senator's comments where their interns or whoever had written in Taylor yep. Swift lyrics. <laughs> um, it's good. We've got a big decoder episode about Ticketmaster Monopoly coming. It's another tech stack. We're, we're going to allow you to to plug decoder just this once because yeah, just this once. I'm just saying it's coming. I'm excited about it. We were waiting for this hearing because we wanted. And I was like, now all I got is a bunch of like old senators saying Taylor Swift lyrics. Like, what did I get out of this? Uh, that's going to be good. GoldenEye remaster coming to Nintendo Switch and Xbox. We're going to, the big fight for GoldenEye is going to be who gets to play Odd Job when we all play together. Should we do a Vergecast yes. GoldenEye stream? I'm real bad at it. It's going right, to be great. Whenever David comes back from his break, he had a baby. He's, he's on break. You should take care of the baby. No, we're just giving him time. Right. But, but I, David can't have all this time to practice. He's got a baby. He's not practicing. He's practicing with like one <laughs> hand. He's holding that baby. He's got him in the little pompous. It's great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, there's there's four of us. Yeah. We're, oh, by the way, it has local split screen multiplayer, which oh is like what God. I really want. It's perfect. It's going to be great. Very excited about that. TikTok has confirmed now after reporting in Forbes that it can just make videos go viral whenever it wants. Shock. I'm just shocked by this news. Back in the Facebook video era, we would joke that Mark Zuckerberg just had a knob and you just like turn it up. TikTok's like, oh yeah, we we have that knob and you can pay us to turn it whenever you want. (laughs) Just press the button. Just press the button. I feel like the TikTok balloon is going to pop. That story in Forbes. That's why the one video that really pops for us is they're like, oh, Verge got it wrong. Yeah. Crank it. I feel certain that TikTok is not actually an AI feed. It's just that's that's the one. That's it's just some dude. <laughs> that's all it is. There's like 25. You could be on one. There's just some dude. Casey Kasem the third is back there <laughs> dropping videos into playlists, and that's all it is. And we're gonna find out that all this time there was no AI. I'm very excited for that. Go read that story. It's actually really interesting because TikTok is so embedded in the music industry. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of pay to play to break a song on TikTok right now, which is fascinating. And then we got to we got to end here, Alex. It's a downer, yeah. But you know, it's the Vergecast. We have to end with Peacock. <laughs> Comcast <laughs> had earnings. Comcast, as you know, NBCU division, minority investor in Vox Media, the Verge's parent company. Mm-hmm. There's your disclosure. That was really good. What's going on with Peacock? So Peacock, uh, it's it's not doing great. I truly believe that Poker Face is going to save it. Yeah. If you watch the show with Natasha Leone. No, almost. It's not out yet. Yeah, it just came out. It's out today. It's out today. Some of us got to watch a little bit of it early. Oh, I, see. I swear I didn't Some watch six episodes. Some of us are in the episodes. Writers Guild of America, screeners <laughs> is what I just learned. <laughs> it was great. Highly, highly recommend it. But yeah, they, they, Comcast overall, NBC Universal overall did face big losses. Peacock just recently surpassed a really big number for them. Guess how many subscribers? Six. 20 million. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Is it? What is it, a tenth of what Netflix <laughs> is doing? I would just say it's more subscribers than I have. Yeah. yeah like Subscribe to my Substack, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one of those. I don't even have a Twitter anymore. What am I doing? Yeah, so so it's it's taking losses, and it's a loss on the Comcast balance sheet. I think we've always said in the Go90 scale, where the zero means they're alive, and the 90 means they're they're doomed. This is now like a 70 to 80. Wow, you're going all the way 70, 80. I, I think so. I think 
Peacock probably has the best chance of being the first big broadcast streamer that goes, actually, this is not for us. I don't know what they're going to do, though, because. All right. Are you sure that they'll do that or that they'll try and buy some other streamer that is also. Cool. They're not going to buy Paramount because Paramount has been like in this we're doing it by ourselves thing before anybody else. Did. And they, and they have the um, uh, Yellowstone verse. The, yeah, they the got the, they got the yellow- verse. 1923. The verse. Oh, my God. 1923 is so good. You know, what? every single year of American history, people in Montana have shot each other <laughs> with Tommy guns. <laughs> <laughs> that show we have been watching that show. It's Yellowstone. The yeah. Pro- Yellowstone proper. The, yeah. Okay, the conceit of, I don't know if, I'm, this is crazy we're talking about chest. It's just, if you think about that show is having the lawyer son, the business daughter, and then the Call of Duty son, it just like <laughs> locks into place. We're like, all right, we need to have a Call of Duty cutscene in the middle of this episode. <laughs> and it just always happens. It's so, like, <laughs> the most compelling thing. Is it good TV? I it, don't know. I mean, we've been watching it. It's very yeah, entertaining. I love but yeah, it. there's like, oh, the cutscene is here. <laughs> Just bam, bam, bam. Like, yeah, look at it. And they're on horses. They, they introduce characters just for the Call of Duty son to murder them. <laughs> it's like very like, oh, that motherfucker's gonna die. But he's sad about it. He's yeah, sad he, about it. He not, feels he feels grief. No, I think actually by season four, he's like, this is what I do. <laughs> I just kill. Anyway, but that's that Peacock hat. That's what Peacock had going for yeah, it. Yeah, Peacock. Peacock had the first four seasons. It's got the first four seasons. And now it's Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus has all of the adjacent shows. So it's got the the fancy one with Harrison Ford. It's got the Sylvester Stallone one where he goes to Oklahoma to start a mob. <laughs> <laughs> it's him and, like, Martin Starr just out there mobbing up. I'll take it. I it's love great. It. I'm going to watch them all. See, that's that's why Peacock won't buy Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they can't afford it. They're all in on the Taylorverse. Yeah. So so Peacock is not doing great. It has not had any hits. It's still hoping Poker Face. Like, it's put a lot of, of time and energy into making Poker Face a thing. This is the new show with Natasha Leone. It comes from Ryan Johnson, who did Knives Out and the Star Wars movies and stuff like that. So they're really— Ryan Johnson, a Verge fan. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, in fact, The Verge makes a cameo in Knives Out too. That's true. It did. Yeah. I screamed. I was with my mom, <laughs> and I was like, see? I have a job. I looked at my— 17-year-old niece and nephew and said, that's cool, right? And they're like, it was cool. <laughs> My mom did. She was like, it's fine. <laughs> Cigarette. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Peacock, not doing great. I, I'll be surprised if it lasts. And, and, and I think the big concern, though, if something happens to Peacock, what happens to shows like Poker Face, mm-hmm. which is a legitimately like, great show. It's super, super entertaining. But 20 million people max are going to be watching it because that's how many people have subscribed. <laughs> well, they're trying to get more people. We'll see. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Not All right, but optimistic. you're putting them at 70 to 80 on that. I'm at 70 to 80 Wow. Now. All right, big call from Alex Kranz. Yeah, sorry, guys. Peacock, 70 to 80 on the Go90 scale of Jim's streaming services. Let us know what you think of Peacock and its rating on the Go90 scale. You can tweet it out. She's Alex H. Kranz. Wow, thanks. Tweet it, Richard. He's at RJCC. Monica is at MC squared 96. I'm at Reckless. I do check it like once a day and just like all the yeah. tweets. So if you want to get a like, you can still tweet at me. It'll just be delayed from what's happening. I'm trying to be off of feeds-based media for a little bit. It's I do nice. feel like I'm rewiring my brain. I have read a lot of magazines <laughs> on PDF. <laughs> God, do you know the new editor-in-chief of Sound and Vision is an ex-ABS forum poster? That's, like, like, that's where we are in like the media cycle. Perfect. We're like the hardcore forum posters are now the editors-in-chief. Of yeah. like the legendary stereo. How, how many how many staff came from the Verge came from the Verge forums? Uh, a surprising amount. Actually. Yeah, it's a good path. Um, I mean, I came from the Engadget comments. I love this. Pretty good. Don't look up those comments. <laughs> I presumably I <laughs> was deleted them all. You're good. Please don't. <laughs> it's all going to be fine.
Uh, Wednesday show. What's going on the Wednesday show? So on the Wednesday show, I'm talking to Sean Hollister about the Steam Deck. The Liam only had thing a Sean wants off. to talk about. <laughs> we almost got Liam to we got, almost bullied him into buying one. It was great. I'm also talking with Catherine Chintacosta about faking your own death online. Surprisingly common. Just recently happened with a romance novelist. Created a whole bunch of yeah conversations. And then I don't know if I can talk about this last one yet. But we're going to have a, a really special one coming up next week as well. So you got to stay tuned and tell them to hear it because it's going to be really good and exciting. But I can't talk about it right now. It's going to be great. All right. You can call the Vergecast hotline, 866-VERGE11. Here's That's, what I'll tell you about listener and now viewer feedback. Last week on the show, I was like, spatial audio sucks. Usually I say anything is bad. A flurry of responses. Yeah. One. One <laughs> person tweeted. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. It might be good. That's how we know. That's how I know. It sucks. <laughs> but oh, if you are that one person, 866-VERGE-11. I'm asking for the call. Call him. <laughs> Just call me. That's his number. All right. That's the Verge House. Thank you for listening in your car. If you're watching this for the first time in years, we're so sorry. It, we just <laughs> we're, we're not. Hi. Well, we're not. Go home and do your cocaine. That's it. That's the Verge Cast <laughs> Rock and Roll. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at vergecast at theverge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.